1: hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of we say things sponsored by nobody my name is Sunsfan, joined by cinderwin the great
2: how are you the great the great I'm I'm good I'm good um that's I was, it I was just You're good? gonna I was, uh, uh, yeah well I am good but um I was gonna say yeah so we said last episode that we were gonna have a sponsorship to announce which is just a little bit delayed I suppose is what we should say here so mm-hmm. uh, but it, it's not canceled as far so, as i know don't you got don't you guys worry they didn't they didn't cancel because of the last episode <laughs> uh, which that's you
1: know. true i guess i was gonna say who cares but you're right uh, people have a reason to actually know this now uh so just so you guys know as always this podcast is available via audio on the apple spectrum i don't know what you even want to call it, apple universe google spotify and the rest of it uh you can find it also at sunsfan.gg slash podcast and I apparently had to add it to Google Play... So this, this is a mini rant. It's not the official rant. Google uh-huh. Play Music apparently is different than Google Podcast. Were you aware of this, Cinderin? I use neither and I never have, so I have no idea. Does that seem weird to you? That the same company has two places that you need to submit podcasts? Completely different, apparently. But They're why do you need to
2: submit them to both?
1: Because people that use Google Play Music...
2: W- uh, couldn't find it last I see week it, but you can have podcasts on both yes
1: so okay. i have added uh, that and it should be available to search i don't even know what they're thinking but the, it is what it is
2: okay uh anywho, that, that sounds a bit backwards but yeah
1: and i do believe that apple is the only one that you can rate with comments i could be wrong but of course let us know if that's not the case uh, we do have a new rating only one this week i'm kind of disappointed you guys I was expecting a lot more after you've been giving shout outs <laughs> Uh, maybe just hated the circumcision talk. I don't know. Cinder, do you want to read off Nobody the latest? i it to the
2: end. <laughs> uh, yeah, it. I'll read it out. Okay, this one is by QLube. Um, definitely <laughs> the best Dota male hygiene crossover podcast. Five stars. Damn, that's great. Excellent. Looking forward to tuning in every week for fascinating and relevant discussions of the differences between NA and EU pro scenes, washing habits, and cheese. Perfect. I don't... Okay, so I just want to clear up something really quickly here. We're not going to be talking about washing habits and cheese every time. So if this is why you're subscribed to the podcast, there is no guarantee that we will cover this topic every time. But we will cover something every time. I guarantee okay. we'll talk about something. So Fair enough. Just a, uh, As yeah,
1: always, this podcast is available live via Twitch at sunspan. Do that every time. Twitch.tv slash TV at 2 a.m. PST, 11 a.m. CEST, every single Tuesday, my friend. Uh, and of course, upload it to YouTube afterward. All right, so this isn't a rant. This is—we're we're not going to call this a rant. Occasionally, we will do a rant as as you like, uh, as
2: you enjoy. I know Sindarin. this will be a rant.
1: It won't call be. It a rant. It's more a depression
2: really? <laughs> update. Okay, it's a rant.
1: <laughs> so it's an update from last week. I know you guys a lot of, actually more than I thought uh, responded to the NBA talk. I'm not going to start talking about the NBA a lot because I know there's a lot of European viewers and plus Cinderin. Half the show doesn't know anything about about this. So the update is, it's a very sad one, as you might expect. The Suns got the second worst outcome. Uh, As you know, there's a 14% chance to get the number one pick. And it was kind of like de-escalating odds to some degree. We got the sixth pick. Out of how many? Seven? Well, technically, there's 30 picks. But of the lottery, which we're talking about, the worst that we could have gotten was seven. And we got six. Okay. And the probably the worst part about it, at least as it was happening live, I so I don't know if you know this. Do you know who the Lakers are, Cinderin? I know the name. Los Angeles Lakers. I mm-hmm. I hate them more than probably anything in the entire world, and I'm not even okay. I can think of one thing I hate more, which I won't mention. But second is definitely the Lakers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe we can have a rant on that some other time. They jumped from number twelve pick to number four. Okay. Yeah. I was very sad about this until I realized that it's okay because it's really just a one-pick draft anyway. There's only one really good player. Then there's two okay ones. And then the fourth pick and beyond are actually just worthless. So oh, I wasn't really? too upset about it. Yeah, they're pretty bad. This this is like one of the worst drafts other than like number one is generational talent. Next two could mm. be good. After that, it's like uh-huh.
2: they're all role players, essentially. Okay, so who got the first pick guy?
1: First pick went to the New Orleans Pelicans, which are okay. a very small market team. They actually have the worst, or at least bottom five, attendance in the NBA. So a lot of people are kind of upset about that because everybody wanted him to go to New York. But it and is they what did it pick is.
2: that guy, right?
1: They the draft doesn't happen for another month. So
2: oh, okay,
1: yeah, but they will. It's S-
2: so they can get bribed they're... for the next month.
1: Uh, sure. People can okay offer a lot of stuff for that player if they want but it's unlikely that we'll could, happen.
2: things could happen that would happen in game of thrones so that he ends up somewhere else oh, no
1: spoilers all right moving well, on i'm not
2: gonna say what that wasn't about the last episode it was just you, about you said general. the
1: name game of thrones oh, people are gonna turn off the so,
2: episode thinking we're gonna spoil it all right sorry for the spoiler guys there is a show called game <laughs> of thrones okay
1: they some people will never discover will it not, on their own because of you say it again all right,
2: on to Dota 2, Cinderwind. So
1: we have the okay, major qualifier. Yes. They are done. Tell me all about it. Yes. Go on your go on your rant. Okay.
2: Actually, let me just quickly look up all the results so I can Great. Cover you're it not even prepared. Excellent. Thoroughly. I mean, I've I've watched the outcomes. I just need to I don't remember everything by heart. So I guess the regions okay. that most people watching this podcast care the most about are probably Europe and NA, so we'll do those first. Okay. Uh basically they did a different format this time around for the major qualifiers, which I think is a a good format when there's three qualifying teams. Um They did uh, round robin, where the first place team is directly qualified, so they didn't need to play playoffs. And the winner Mm -hmm. was Team Secret, they got a 6-1 score, Uh, the following two teams got a 5-2. So Secret went through straight away, they didn't need to play any more games, and then through the bracket, uh, eventually Liquid got the first slot and the last slot that they had to grind a little bit more for, was OG and... The sad loser of this qualifier, in a sense, was Alliance, who were twice one game away from qualifying. They lost 2-1 to Liquid, and then they lost 2-1 to OG. And both of those, had they won one more game, they would have made the Major. So that's obviously really sad. And their grand reward, as we've talked about before, for not qualifying is nothing. So congratulations on that. Okay. Um, Then in NA, most people probably expected EG to clinch first, but they actually didn't get first place. Uh, They lost a close game to Forward, who went 7-0. So... They got the first slot, and then EG eventually did go through the bracket and win against Complexity uh, in the final. The round there. robin, was that best of what? Best of ones. Among so eight all teams. best of ones, okay. Yes. Okay. Um, hmm. And yeah, I think actually every region did that this time. It wasn't only the regions with three slots. All of them, the first place slot went to the round robin winners, right. which I'm more a fan of in a three qualifier system than in a two qualifier system, but they did it for all regions. Uh, just to quickly go over the other regions in SA, Pain Gaming went flawless. They went seven zero. Oh, sorry, six one. They actually did lose a game, but they still got first place. And then Infamous got the second slot, which is something we could talk about if you want to, because uh, there's some, there's a bit of controversy around that. There's been some tweets as well uh, from some of the South American players that kind of, or at least specifically one guy. And have you heard of Duster? Maybe you remember mm-hmm. him. Oh yeah. Uh, he basically <clears throat> he tweeted some shit at Skitter who plays for Infamous because they are unhappy that four out of five players of the Infamous team are actually not SA players. It's a four-European player team. uh, But it is within Valve's rules because they actually live in the region. Mm -hmm. uh, At least... So Biver and Oliver, uh, who's Skitter, they moved to... Is it Biver think not Biver? It's Biwa, if you would say it in Danish. I say Biver, if I say it in English. Uh, You can say Biver, too. Um, They've lived in south america for i think two months now they've moved there and they lived there and there's the org is located there and then black joined i think about a month ago or a couple of weeks ago and he's there too just like one of those again it's one of those gray zone things where i think these guys are way more in the clear than the i agree i don't know if you should call it scandal with pain x where they just flew to the qualifiers qualified and then left again uh, and they did get disqualified at that time, if you remember. Um, so here's CCS the thing. I'm bad.
1: I'm not going to get too into this because I don't want to... Uh-huh. We can have a whole conversation about this another time. I The reason I'm okay with this specific instance is because the time investment, right? So the uh-huh. whole idea of having qualifiers in areas that... I mean, let's be real. That region is the worst of all the regions. It's the weakest. Historically yes. speaking. It's always been that mm-hmm. way. The it's way that the they get now. better... The way that they get better... First of all, obviously, the land experience that they're essentially guaranteed to go to at this point... Helps, right? Uh-huh. But I don't think that's enough. I think having Westerners come out to play there is actually really beneficial to the scene if they stay, because then that's yes, more competition. That's the big if everyone gets better, right? That is the big if, that, though. So
2: that's the big if. That was basically what happened back with uh back with DC, right? Like misery and the European. At that time, the North American scene was considered shit. Uh, except yes. for EG, right? Yep. And then some Western players traveled to the US and started living there and playing there, and the quality of the region definitely increased. I think that's very hard to argue against that. that well, a big reason for that
1: for is it. because I give great massages, especially yes. the Weehaw. So I'm
2: sure you can take full credit for this somehow. Okay, he played really let's, well. Uh, let's let's roll over the or roll over. Let's go through the last um, the last couple of qualifiers. So in CIS, who do you think won? You don't know, right? Don't tell people that. <laughs> All right, let's do a little game. Nah, you nah, need to I'm guess. Just kidding. Who won uh, the qualifiers in CIS? Virtus Pro. No. Really? They did get second, though. What? They didn't win. Wow. Yeah. They Too cocky? Second. All right, who got first? Uh, I mean, they got the Empire? same score as two other teams. Nope.
1: I don't even know the teams
2: anymore in CIS. Gambit. Oh, Gambit, okay. Finally, this is probably the biggest story of the qualifiers, honestly. FNG finally broke his curse. He has been to multiple major grand finals, and they have always choked. Uh, and this time he finally qualified. You and mean qualifier was, sure finals? Was super relieved. Yes. Okay. Uh, maybe, in a way, maybe he didn't break his curse because he technically didn't play a qualifier finals. Because they got the first place slot, right? So they got out of the round robin. And the way that it worked was there was a three-way tie for first between Gambit, Navi, and VP, and Gambit beat them both in a best-of-one. So they got wow. first place. And now, then VP beat uh, Navi in the finals of the playoffs later. Has Three he cut two, his hair way. yet? Oh, yeah. He did a long time ago, right? Really?
1: But yeah. that shows I, how mean, I, I don't know how long it is
2: now. I mean, he's, he's cut it and let it grow again a bit, I think. Oh, that's uh, another nice fun fact about this qualifier, in total... Navi versus VP. Navi won six games and VP won four and VP qualified. Okay. So that's that's how it goes sometimes. Okay, let's uh, finish the rest. China, first place went to PSG LGD. No big surprises there. They are the strongest team in the region, arguably together with Vici Gaming, uh, who did end up clinching third in the end. But the second place went to Royal Never Give Up, which I think was uh, probably surprising to a lot of people that RNG could actually take second place. So they will also be there. And then finally, an SCA first place did not go to Fnatic like most people would have probably expected, but it was TNC that got 6-1 in the groups. And then Fnatic did, in the end, barely qualify with a 3-2 over power of MYSG plus AU.
1: The who, hell kind of name is that?
2: It's basically Malaysia, Singapore plus Australia, right? That's what the name stands for. Okay. And one of the players of that team you actually know in person, it was Winter. He almost qualified for oh, a major. Oh, I think he I lost the yeah, two tweets in the finals, that. which mm. honestly, it would have been it would have been super cool to see him go. I was I was hoping for Winter to to make it. It would be such a great story, but hopefully for him he gets through the minors. They actually played really well. And because of the format, on the final day of the SEA qualifiers, they played eleven games in a row. They played Jesus. two best of threes That's that they brutal. won, two to one, and then the finals were 3 to 2. So, shitload of games. Okay, that was a little bit of a rundown of that, but that's that's that. Now we've covered the qualifiers and then let's move on with the
1: Yes, let, let's the talk about bullet the... Point. I guess this is kind of semi-drama. I want to say. It's a good talking point for sure. So, mm-hmm. between the last... How many days were between the last major ending and the qualifiers beginning? Do you know the actual uh, number? I
2: can, I can actually look this up. Give me it's a see.
1: short amount. Uh, yeah. uh, but if... If you need a bit of time, I can read this tweet off first. No, um, I've,
2: I've got it in just a second. I'm just looking up the schedule here. Please uh, do. Let me see. You're doing a great job. So, so thank you, sir. Um, It was, so the major ended, I think, on the 12th and the qualifiers started on the 15th. Okay. So three days. Something so like that. Ridiculous people, short of course, short Yeah.
1: Of it's a very short amount of time. And this is what uh, Cyborg Matt tweeted. And I will quote it here. The community cheered when, actually, let me do this
0: in a British accent. The community cheered when Valve announced no direct invites in the DPC because teams would have to prove they deserve it. But honestly, when you spend weeks boot camping playing an entire major, then having to go home and play qualifiers one day later is fucking exhausting.
2: You know what if, you just reminded me of? What? <laughs> have you ever heard the podcast My Dad Wrote a Porno? No. You've heard what? of it, though, right? No,
1: I've never heard. Have of Have you that. never
2: heard of that podcast? It's like no. the world's most famous podcast. You're
1: right not now. supposed to advertise other podcasts during this podcast,
2: dude. We are the ours is the <laughs> best, but theirs is the most famous. Okay, I mean okay. that's how it often is. There's, All right, can I finish of this tweet. Of that in the world. You've, do oh, I need man. to start yeah. go, over go again? <laughs> no, no, I mean, just, right. keep, just keep the accent, okay? I'll try not to crack out while you're reading. If
0: anything, you actually run the risk of potentially losing a big team like Secret, Liquid, OG, NIP, EG, LGD, etc. from the major because these teams have been grinding their asses off. And good luck. Have fun if any of your players get sick from the post-event flu. As we come towards the end of season two, it's becoming more and more apparent that funneling all the top-tier teams through qualifiers has not really provided any additional benefits to this season and if anything has just resulted in more damage to the overall tier 2 slash tier 3 scene. Your thoughts sir. <laughs> 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 Is it really that funny
2: when an it's just british no, i'm just i'm just i'm just imagining people listening to this podcast and they actually can't pay attention to what you're saying like i didn't even hear the quote you know well, I you, all right go voice. look at go follow
1: cyborg matt on twitter and you can look at it yourself all right <laughs> yeah, i mean we're absolutely not out again <laughs> quiet your bollocks uh, and get on with it yeah, so sake. basically
2: the short version tldr uh qualifiers are stressful for the top teams that have just played in the major, especially if you make it far, right? If you make it far in the major, you have less rest. Oh yeah. And secret obviously, uh, did make it the whole way. (laughs) So they barely had any rest before that to play qualifiers again. Fortunately, they still pulled through, but I guess the more, there's two, two sides to this that are important. Number one, uh, it's exhausting for players that have literally just played qualifier or literally just played a major that they barely get rest and have to play qualifiers again. So it's like very stressful. It's, you're constantly in in there, and you don't really get rest. And then the second part of the tweet is: Is the current format actually helping the tier two slash tier three th- tier three scene? Wow, that's a tongue twister. Um, or is is this just basically creating content where it's still the favorites winning, and it doesn't really help the team? I feel that, uh, if you get play
1: top players? four at a major, just go to the next one. <laughs> like they yeah it's so close so, together I don't, I don't understand what the purpose exactly of
2: that is. i think so i think in the past right in the past in dota what was a problem with direct invites sometimes was that teams would perform well at a lan and then they would get a direct invite to the next one which was three months or four months later okay and the mm-hmm. team would be totally different they might have shuffled players they yeah. might have become bad or lost motivation whatever and therefore, there was this big discrepancy between, okay, what team did we invite and what team did we get in the end? But now that the majors are, like, a bit more close together and there's a lot more stability this season with teams that, like, there's a lot more stability in general among the top teams. There's been very little shuffling. So you kind of get what you're expecting. Um, I don't think there's as much of a downside as there used to be to inviting teams that place high. Because the teams that place top three to top four or whatever are, are staying together and they're performing. Yeah. Um, so, it, I think the discussion should be how many slots. I would I would be very much in agreement that there should be direct invites based on the previous major. I honestly think we always should have had it. I think this every team needs to qualify every time is not good. Uh, it's not a system I'm a fan of. But the thing that is a bit tough to figure out is okay, where do you draw the line? Like how many of the teams should get directly invited, and how should it influence four. the individual region? So let's say top four get directly invited. Okay, let's make a thought experiment here. Mm-hmm. Let's say the top four teams are all EU. Okay. Mm -hmm. How many teams should qualify from the EU, afterwards?
1: I think it's a case-by-case. I think you change that every major. Okay. And perhaps somewhat based on who's actually getting directly invited to begin with, right? Because you don't want too many slots for a region when one's already... I think it's a case-by-case. So here's the thing that I have a... Valve is... It feels like they're always on the extreme for... (laughs) One end of the spectrum. Go back mm-hmm. a couple years, captain's draft, there's almost no rules to who you can invite. I could have invited almost any team, I've, I believe. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Within reason. Like if we invited some really shitty-ass team, Valve could step in and say, okay, you need to get a better invite than this. But for the most part, if, if a team's like mm-hmm. 50-50 like this, you would always choose the team that's more popular because that's what... You're going for it. You need the viewership. You need to make money in the tournament. Of now, course. that's basically like a hands-off approach. with just a little bit of like a veto power, right? Now it's the other yeah. way. Everybody has to qualify for every. You get. You win this tournament. You still have to play four days. Nah, come on. There's got to be a middle ground we can find, you know?
2: And then you could look at it from the opposite side of it, right? Let's say you look at it from the perspective that, oh, the, the favorites could fail. Let's say you're exhausted. You just played a major. You got top three. You played a lot of games. And now you need to go home and qualify again. This was really close to happening for Liquid, by the way. They got second at the major and they almost failed to qualify. Like, they were close. Really close twice. They barely made it out of groups. They went three and four. And then they won a tiebreaker to get out of groups. Liquid could have made bottom three. And then in the playoffs, they won their series two to one in close series, both of them. And had they lost, maybe they wouldn't have qualified. So that's an example of a team that literally got second at the previous major and could have bombed out. Is it good for the major, the next one, if they don't qualify is the question. Like, they're obviously a really big team. They got a great placement. I think they deserve to be invited to the next tournament. And one or two things will happen. Either they will win the qualifiers again and get there anyway, or they will fail to qualify. And then it's in a way, it's bad, right, for the for the following tournament because there's going to be less viewership because one of the favorites didn't make it. And then you mm-hmm. get this surprise story, which is great. Like, I'm, I'm a big fan of underdogs, okay? I love when teams qualify that aren't that well-known or get an opportunity or whatever. That's great. Um, but you could, I feel like you could have the best of both worlds. I think it's possible you could get both. Like, invite the favorites, the ones that placed high in the previous major, and then you can get those surprise stories. What if, for example, you invite the previous top four of the major, like you just suggested, and then every region gets two slots beyond that? Then, Because then it's about the relative balance of the region, right? Then if Europe is really strong in one major, Mm -hmm. there will be an additional European team that will come in for the next one because the region is strong, so they get more representation. Or if Europe bombs out of a major and don't do very well, the teams will actually need to fight to qualify, and one of the European teams won't make it then because they didn't perform in the previous major. That's one option, one way of doing it. Mm -hmm. Of course, the downside to this is, again if Europe has, let's say, three out of the top eight teams in the world, or maybe even four, arguably, uh, if they have one bad major how much viewership will there be for the following one? Because then two of those four teams won't qualify in that case, right? Right. So, you know, there's there's pros and cons to everything. But I think it's something to think about. And I think we can both agree that the current system is not ideal. It can definitely be optimized. I mean, even
1: if you do a hybrid of what we're talking about, where you start out with the top four teams going to the major and two for each region, but then keep it open with the ability to, like the veto power, if something is obviously out of whack for that specific instance... Then you can change up the mm-hmm. qualifier spots for that. Like I feel like you can change this every couple months if you need to. Like so, it doesn't So need what to be you're saying is
2: top four get invited and then the remaining twelve slots can be assigned by Valve based on relative power in the region at the time.
1: Right. But by default, so for example. It's example two do, you, each.
2: do you think <clears throat> do you think SA should have two slots, for example? No. Is something that could be discussed. It's, I think a lot of people don't. I don't think so. Um but, but it's I, really good for SA Dota and for the for the scene to get two teams there because they make prize money. They uh, promote the scene, they get sponsors interested. So right, no, now that I, I think about I, it, yes, they should. They should. There's quite a lot of value. So maybe over the this long is run, like, it needs thing. to in CSGO <clears throat> the system is very different. But what we could start thinking about is is the Dota professional scene reaching a point where maybe majors should have more than 16 teams? Because that is another mm, option. It's a bit more expensive and it's especially but then it's about who, who pays who pays the burden. I mean, if you expand if you expand it from 16 to, say, 18 teams, it's not a major new expense. It's two more teams that you fly in. All the organizing, all the infrastructure, setting up a venue costs the same. You're paying for two extra sets of flights, two extra sets of hotels, and food for those players. It is an expense, but it's not a big one in comparison to everything else. Like Ballpark increasing from 16 to 18 teams probably creates an extra expense of the whole tournament of 5%. Maybe. Mm. Maybe not even. right. I'm
1: a, less I'm, le- I'm a little more iffy on that one. Uh, okay, I mean, I understand why, why people don't like South America having two slots because they're the weakest region. But mm-hmm. I personally, and I said this a year ago or whenever they did it, uh, over time, even if it takes like a couple years, over time, that mm-hmm. region will get stronger as a result of this. Oh, it will. It that's will. why it's a good idea. Uh, if you started out with only one, then it's going to have less of an effect on, on that region. So mm-hmm. you're taking yeah. a hit temporarily, <laughs> as it were. I mean, yeah. It makes sense. Fair
2: enough. Okay. So but you, you don't think increasing the number of teams is good. Because they did it for T I remember. T I went from sixteen yeah. to eighteen teams two years ago. And then they cut just... the wild cards out because wild cards were right. let's be honest, pretty stupid, right? It's it's bad that you travel all the way to the US to play two best of threes and if you lose you don't get to play T I.
1: Right. And then
2: you're just there. You know, that's
1: Yeah, T I is a special a special one though. Yeah. Uh, sure, I don't of know. course. But you could do eighteen. Do you, I'm just thinking from a tournament organizer. You're making it seem like I know you mentioned that it does cost extra. It's dude, it's a pain in the ass to do two extra teams for organizers. If this was like Valve sanctioned, like Valve's paying for most of it, then it's obviously not a big deal. Like from oh, That's, a what, that's what I'm
2: saying. That's what I'm so saying. So Valve like is what paying if for the them. Added. What if the added two teams are not the tournament's expense? For example, well, then it so it's matter. for the good. Yeah. It's for the good of the scene and for the growth of the scene. And then Valve pays a bit extra for that. Like for as a possible solution, right? right or sure in an ideal world or, sure or if the organizers have to pay for it then it's about like how much it costs one yeah. thing is like the extra pain to go through whatever you want to say but if you're already organizing 16 teams the extra two i i disagree i don't think that is a major pain to bring in two extra it's it's developing the framework and organizing everything within that framework—that is the. I wouldn't
1: say it's a major pain. It's a pain, though. Word. It is
2: a pain. I, it's. I mean, it's extra work. I'm it's not going not to not of It's not just ten players. It's is,
1: all the people but. that come with. It. It's it's like twenty sure. people. That's that's not nothing. But anyway, I, I agree. Like in an okay. ideal world, that would that would make sure. sense. But okay, we don't live in an ideal world. Trump is president right now. Cinderman.
2: Okay. Let's. Talk anyway, politics go on to the on next podcast.
1: point. No, that's the one thing I will not like. <laughs> rel- I think We that, could think get into. At some point, I, I would like to get into like a, a religion slash spiritual conversation with you just to get like the because oh. I feel like we could have a, a pretty good talk actually and not be a offended. Spiritual conversation, yeah. But politics, I will. It's not happening because I will get, get my too Ouija angry.
2: board and we can get right to it.
1: Yes, that's a good idea. All right, next on the list, Dota Underlords has been trademarked by Valve. We're gonna talk about yep. what that potentially means, but there's some. Now, because it's called Dota Underlords, I looked up the lore of Underlord, and if you don't mind, I'd like to read mm-hmm. this, Cinder. Sure. Uh, what, what do? you have to do I it do? in the British voice, okay? No, not British. We're going to do something else. How about Australian. Old Man Gillywinkle? I can't do Australian.
0: Sure. That's all. Awesome. I'll take it. That's
1: good. Okay. But people might complain they can't understand me, so do your
0: best. <clears throat> Neither myth nor song exist to tell of their coming. Deep below the surface of the world lay unknown wonders and horrors. This hurts my voice. (laughs) Down and down again, well beneath the slithering magma fields and simmering roots of dormant volcanoes stand the obsidian city of Aziog. (laughs) This is hard. It's incomparable stonework (laughs) spanning an endless cavern. Within honeycomb walls, mortared with the bones of countless slaves, lies the domain of the Abyssal Horde and their brutal underlord, Vrogros, a.k.a. Underlord. <laughs> sounds like the person that came up with that name
2: was imagining it being yeah. read in that voice. Vrogros. <laughs> Vrogros.
0: Armed by the monstrous forge masters of his kind and well-practiced in the arts of the Dark Rift, Vrogros is able to conjure forth flame and crippling malice through the twist between worlds. He seeks always to expand his holdings, destroying or enslaving all he encounters. Yet he lands—excuse me—yet the lands offered by the subterranean realm are few, and so his sights have turned upward. By his command, the first waves of the abyssal invaders have already marched through the rift. A few doomed legions meant merely to test the might of the nations above. Now, as his full force readies itself for unending conquest, Rogros himself steps into a sunlit world to announce his coming reign. Those who face the <laughs> Underlord... The <laughs> it does, that is not in the script. Okay.
2: How do you know? How the fuck do you Those
0: who that? face the Underlord will bow and pay tribute or be crushed where they stand. So that is the, the lore
1: of Underlord. Uh, does that Great. give us I, any I, hints what this I, might
2: be? <laughs> I'm sure everybody knows it now. You can look um, it up yourselves, guys. I'm sure you would. So what, what do
1: you think? All. Not only the lore, but... Uh, <laughs> uh, Dodo Underlords, what
2: does that mean? All right, so, so correct me if I'm wrong, but the TLDR of this lore is basically Underlord is below the ground, and yes. then he doesn't like it very much. There's more space above, so he wants to go above and take above and conquer that. So he dark rifts his armies through, right? Yep. He
1: commands armies, though. So, Dota Underlords, right? Yes. So, Um, give me your thoughts first, and then I'll
2: expound upon them. So, first of all, this name is... How to say... It's different because there's plenty of games that have like overlords, right? And I that's kind of it's kind of a play on that, right? Like there's there's games with like overlords where it's like, oh, you are the lord of an army and you are the overlord commanding that army or whatever. But this just ties in with the Dota lore, so it sounds like the type of game that this would entail is one where you are controlling an army as the underlord of that army, which could very easily, uh, when you think about, for example, how. Uh, auto chess works which is obviously one of the clear things that this could be that valve is aiming for with this trademark if it is an auto chess version then you would be the commander that then summons in the army with the dark rift instead of being the chess piece or the the whatever courier you have that summons chess pieces it is instead an underlord summoning people in through the dark portal that is the very obvious interpretation of this um but let's ima- let's entertain the idea that it's not auto chess, okay? Which I think is personally for me the most likely. That's the one I think this is. But if it's not, this could be something in VR, right? That's the yep. other obvious option. <clears throat> and or in either be, case, it could be chess, Dota chess in VR. <laughs> that is also possible. Absolutely, it could be both. That is very true. Um, but considering we've talked about this in the previous episode, Dota chess, auto chess is huge. Uh, the fact that Valve did not get directly involved and start funding or start profiting off that game makes, it, it it seems unreal that that big of an opportunity and that huge part of the player base is not something that Valve takes to heart and does something with. So that is definitely right. my guess on this. And DRODO Studios obviously went and made a mobile game instead on the Chinese market, I believe, primarily um, with their IP. So uh, I'm guessing that's what Valve want to do. In VR, very possible. I think that could be a cool Sounds thing cool. for them to yeah. launch um and then the question is when do we think this is coming out i think this game will get announced at ti9 um and if it is either a vr game or a game that is mobile compatible which is also an option that valve have they have done mobile stuff a little bit they've done dpc apps and stuff so they're not like totally foreign to developing for uh, ios and android uh, platforms mm-hmm. uh, that would hit in china and that is where TI9 is. So that would be a really good timing to announce a mobile game because it's, I think, I'm kind of pulling this out of my ass, but I think the country where mobile gaming is absolute biggest for the population, I think, is China. I could be yep. wrong on that. Probably but, true. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the biggest in China per, per capita. Do you think that's you too late? It. Well, that's the question. I don't know. How long will Auto Chess
1: um, last on its own? How long will it be popular? Yeah, that's...
2: That's a very good question.
1: We've talked so. First of all, I completely agree with your assessments. I was going to say literally the exact same thing, uh, whether it be VR or Auto Chess, probably Auto Chess. So we're probably both wrong. And we we've talked about this in the past, in past episodes, about Valve doing Mm -hmm. Auto Chess, right? And you mentioned the fact that uh, it's weird that they never got together with DRODO Studios, but obviously DRODO Studios sold out to the Chinese mobile company anyway. So is Valve doing their own thing? But it's not only that's not the only red flag that comes up to me of why that would be occurring. The biggest red flag for me is that they haven't fixed these bugs in auto-check, like in custom games, to help mm. the experience of playing. So I'm thinking, if they're making their own thing, why would they bother fixing that? That's almost like a, <laughs> what's the best way to put this? It's like a handicap for your competitor, in that case, uh, you know makes, what I mean? It,
2: it makes sense, and I, I mean, I could see that. In a way, that makes sense, but the other way of looking at it is, well, if this is a if this spawns off of people's enjoyment in playing auto chess, if the game gets fucking bugged in Dota and people lose interest, will they want to play when the "quote unquote" real game comes out? Right. Right. That's, depends on when that is. I mean,
1: like, I, yeah. I agree with you that TI does make the most sense, but that's that's months away at this point. I don't yeah, know. Three months. Like it all depends on how long it takes them to code and make this game in general. I have no idea. So they they filed for the takes.
2: trademark. Officially, or at least the post that I saw was from May 9th. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know how long stuff like this takes in the US. um, But I think something that is worth, like regardless of how long this takes, I think something that's worth looking at is how few times Valve does this. Uh, I don't think they Mm -hmm. file for trademarks very often. So this should be probably something that Valve think is a big project that is worth investing a lot of time and effort in because I I don't know what the last title they tried to trademark was. Um... But I feel like this doesn't happen very often from Valve. So No,
1: that's true. And I forgot to mention the, the underdog choice is Artifact uh-huh. expansion or the rebranding of Artifact as Dota Underlords. But highly, yeah. highly unlikely as much as I would love to personally see that.
2: Yeah. I think the reason I'd, that doesn't really necessarily come to mind or seem realistic is, again, the time, right? If we think that this will be announced, at, at, well, I mean, maybe if it if this doesn't get announced at TI, which is just my speculation, if it doesn't get announced, my speculation is that it does. But let's say it doesn't, then it could be something artifact related because I just don't think with the overhaul that it sounds like they want to make to artifact, I don't think it would be ready, right? Uh, realistically. Mm -hmm. The time frame that they've had has been pretty short. Artifact came out when was it? November last year? It's been out for like half a year. uh, And they developed it for quite a while. So if they're overhauling it, I don't think they just managed to do that in in another half year. Um, So, it, It could be that um it's it's not out of the question that they're rebranding it and for me it would be kind of funny if they did relaunch artifact under a different name like i suggested if you remember on one of our previous podcasts like just just don't call it artifact anymore because that name has so many negative connotations now unfortunately which again for me is a shame because i like the game um but maybe you do have to overhaul it that hard but we'll see um with the with the whole lore of underlords, that could also make sense in an artifact setting, right? Like you're the underlord summoning in cards on the playing field, so that could also be it. Ain't whole Dark rift logic. Uh, it ain't but, happening. I mean, okay, let's let's try to be a little creative. Is there anything beyond that that we could imagine?
1: Well, the battle is pass, it Dota the chess, game, artifact, is, or anything else. The mini game they're coming out with artifact or in an artifact. The mini game they're coming out in the battle pass for Dota Two is called something else, mm-hmm. Morakai something. So that's it's not yes. anything related with Dota itself.
2: It sounds like. Well, Uh, it has dota in the title it's dota underlords right well i mean it's not going to be
1: it's probably not going to be something inside dota uh necessarily because why would you need mm -hmm. to trademark it then
2: could this be i think this is probably a separate game could this be a different kind of game in vr not a card game (laughs) Yeah, it could be anything. So that's what I'm saying. So chess if it's game. not
1: auto chess, I hope that it's something... I don't personally care that much about mobile. I really am interested in the VR aspect because we talked uh, about this in the last... Was it last episode or the one before? With the Index coming out soon, it's been announced yeah. that there's three flagship games. This, yeah, this could, could one very one. well be one of them. And they I could. don't know what kind of game it is. Like he, Playing Dota in VR sounds um. miserable. But you can make like something out of it, the lore. Something
2: right? something. Valve could take inspiration from, right? If you're in Valve's shoes here and you want to make a new title and you draw inspiration of something, you look at... I mean, it, I wouldn't put it past them if they looked at, okay, what other custom games in Warcraft 3 were massively popular? Like, what did people like? And what did never get its own standalone game? Things that uh, people really liked were clearly tower defenses and the line wars, right? Mm-hmm. so one of the games men one of the for example one of the custom games that this like lore or this name could fit uh from Warcraft 3 would be one of those uh, line wars games where you have uh you're constantly summoning enemies uh for the enemies to defeat um you're summoning units for them to defeat while you are defending your own uh like base or whatever uh, so kind of like I'm not sure how to explain this very easily, but basically everybody has a base, and you're building defenses and sending offenses simultaneously during the game. This could easily work in VR actually as a game where Isn't you are Footman placing. Frenzy? Uh, Footman Frenzy didn't have as much of a defensive aspect. That was just a lot of just spawn building constructions and just spawning units right all the time. Mm-hmm. There yeah. wasn't so much with like towers, and at least the oh, way I remember, okay. there was a bit. It was uh, mostly units, but I don't think it. Uh, maybe I, it's it's a long time ago. I could be totally wrong on this, uh, but but yeah, that type of game could could work in VR, wouldn't you say so? Like the if you imagine like controls that you have this like say you have the battlefield or your base in front of you, and you can like place buildings in VR, and you can uh, summon units by targeting somewhere on the battlefield uh, with your <clears throat> with your index. I think that could definitely work.
1: You know what? I'm hoping for the index. I, I hope they have voice activation. So instead of, hey, Google, ask for something, it's, hey, Gaben, move the unit to square five. (laughs) (laughs) How awesome would that be? That would be sick. Hey, Gaben. So last uh, normal topic that I want to talk about just briefly. We don't have to talk about it very long. Steam Link um, is now available for iOS. The reason that's significant is because it was previously banned on Apple stores for a long time because they looked at it as competition. I can't remember the exact reasoning. Have you ever used Steam Link before? It is awesome. I actually have. They, what, what is they it? They don't. They don't sell the. Okay. There's two. There's two aspects to this. Number one is the hardware itself. Uh, when Artifact was a thing, I, I have it. Actually, I have it on my table here. Uh, this is for the video people out there. It's my Steam controller with the Counter Strike Go skin. Counter Strike Global oh. Offensive. That is. Uh, I actually like this controller quite a bit for playing Artifact and to be able to play on my TV. You need Steam Link. Okay. Uh, which okay. is a little hardware box. It's It uh, was oh, really cheap. yeah.
2: Now I know what it is. I know what that is. Yeah. It was
1: okay. super cheap, and I don't even think they make them yeah. anymore. My last one was literally $2. They were just giving them away, essentially.
2: Yeah, I remember that. There was a ridiculous offer. Yeah. Uh, but
1: now it's okay. mostly just software. So you get into your phone, download Steam Link, and you can play stuff through your computer onto your phone. It's actually really cool. Uh, and now the fact, I think okay. you don't even need to be in the same household to do that anyway. Can, can you be, can you play yeah,
2: something on your TV through your phone with your Steam controller?
1: Yes, with with just software? I'm not sh- you'd have to get the app on your TV if it's even a thing, which uh-huh. it should be. I haven't I mean, actually that's also tried just that. Software, right? Yeah. So right now I'm using just the actual box cuz it's already set up. I haven't actually checked into whether you should be able to if it's
2: available so on mobile basically, you should be able to do so that. So it's basically called Steam Link because it links two separate devices. That's yeah. what it does. It's right? so, so think it of it com- it communicates between different devices. That's what it does. So for people that don't understand exactly how it
1: works, it's really actually quite cool. Um so think of like let's say you're playing a using your laptop that's really crappy, okay? And let's just mm-hmm. say you're down like you're downstairs or something in your house and you want to play Counter-Strike or something but the computer obviously can't handle it. What it does is essentially streams the game from your good computer that can play it to your laptop so your laptop it's almost like you're just watching a video but you can control it and if you're in the same house obviously there's like no lag so it just feels like you're playing with amazing graphics on your really shitty laptop it's really cool concept
2: basically it's basically what some uh streamers do where they have a streaming pc and the gaming pc yeah the streaming pc runs the broadcast and then they play on the other one
1: Okay. That is exactly oh, that's right.
2: that's really cool actually that's nice. And yeah. I
1: think it wasn't until know. recently that you could do this outside of your own network. <clears throat> Previously you couldn't do it via uh-huh. the internet, had to be like in your LAN setting. So now But it's, if you do do changed. it via the
2: internet there will be lag though. Yes, right? So it depends like um,
1: would not recommend that
2: for like
1: Counter-Strike for example, but What
2: was this this reminds me of something that was it Google that were launching that thing? What was it Stadia? called?
1: Google Stadia, Google Yeah. That's, that's the all same in the concept, cloud. right?
2: Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's it's cloud based, but the concept is the same.
1: Yep, the the concept okay. is slightly different in the fact that you're not using your own computer in that case. That they're using, you're using. Yeah, they have their the power computers. for you.
2: Right. Yeah. Okay. It sounds interesting. I mean, I think this this but... can definitely be part of the future of gaming. Honestly. Yeah. Uh, especially for people in, I would say, this is most appealing in countries where it's harder to afford good hardware. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very helpful for them it, to be able to to use this kind of system yeah, um, perhaps think, this will be a service that uh <clears throat> maybe even if you think about countries where it's very popular to go to uh land phase or whatever mm-hmm. they could technically rent out their computers without people having to go to the land center and yep. you could just pay to play from home with steam link for yeah. example now that is
1: cool like he would pay five dollars a day or whatever i don't know what the price would be but yeah, yeah. you pay whatever that would be really yeah. cool i agree mm-hmm. Um, And, of course, we'll have a future conversation about Google Stadia um, and one little snippet. I want to talk about more when it's closer to release, but Uh the fact that companies like Microsoft and Sony have teamed up now, PlayStation and Xbox have teamed up to do some cloud gaming services. I don't know the details on that. It is. Uh, And that's probably just in response to Google Stadia. So, by the way, that's the worst name ever. Holy shit. Google Stadia? Stadia
2: what would you Terribly. have called it
1: digital chaos all right going on
2: okay. nice. <laughs> <laughs> moving good. on
1: to community questions and topics uh this one we've been holding on for quite a while would you like to read this because it's mostly for you
2: yeah i could read this one out it's this one bit this yeah it looks like yeah. one question okay yep uh i'm a 30 year old dude uh, almost i mean this could be me this is me in like seven months I'm a 30-year-old dude who has played Dota, Han, Dota 2 for over 13 years. I, have al- I always had a dream of competing with the best in the game in tournaments, lands, etc. Now I'm almost done with university and a future with job, kids, and all adult life, in quotation marks, very important, awaits. Uh, I'm an Immortal-ranked 2500 player, and I wanted to ask you guys if that dream is even possible to achieve with my age and life. Is age just a number, or is the competing life too hard to sustain when you aren't single and living alone with lots of time as a student? Thanks for answering and thanks for doing these podcasts. I truly love them. Shout out to Trolls from a fellow guy from... Trolls! Jonas Jonas BM. Okay. Is it Jonas Um, or Jonas? It's Jonas in Danish. Okay. But I said my name in Danish and his in English for some reason. So uh, anyway, um, 30. So this is not, honestly, this is not to me as much about the age as it is just the, how to say, how realistic the whole situation is for any age. So if you are uh, basically the pro players nowadays are people that have played for an amount of time, like not necessarily similar to you. you've <clears> played for a very long time, um, but they have played absolutely for years and they've invested a lot of time into it that they have had because they didn't have necessarily other like major commitments that took a lot of time. So if you are Immortal Rank 2500 and you want to catch up, let's call it that, to those other players, you are behind a lot it will take a lot of time and a lot of effort and then the question is is it realistic for you to be able to allocate all that time and effort over the next let's say three years uh, if you also need to pay rent and have a functioning life outside of just literally only playing dota because it's not only about how many years you play right it's also about how you play there are people that play this year this game for many years and for countless hours but they're not like trying to go pro And a big part of going pro is the mindset of like really striving to improve and not just playing for fun. You're playing to get better. And that's a mindset thing. Uh, And doing that takes a lot of time. So I think like realistically, the answer is no. But realistically, the answer is no for pretty much everybody. Because you look at how many people try to go pro and how many succeed. It's really few. Um, You are just, you have this extra anchor uh, around you that you also are in a, time in your life where you need to pay for yourself and that makes it even harder so and it's my answer is this is possible but it is so unlikely and so risky and that the the risk reward does not favor you at all but theoretically yes you could do it i don't think 30 is a death sentence in dota we have plenty of players that are playing at a super high level uh solo i think is 30 or 31 A player like Universe, like there's plenty of very highly regarded players. Puppy, I think, is also in late 20s or maybe even 30. I'm not sure. Um, I am 29 myself, and I don't feel like I've lost it. You know, I don't think I'm, I I don't feel like, oh, I'm getting old. Like I can tell in the game. Um, And if you compare it to other sports, you don't like burn out when you're 30 if you play football. There are plenty of footballers that play until they're. Uh, late 30s or even 40 and that's a physical sport whereas ours is more mental uh, in a sense there is a bit of finger dexterity and stuff but like it, it's just my support big of a deal. if you've lost the step uh, in that and regard. It's, it's the same in CSGO too there are really good CSGO players that have played forever like Forest is a great yeah, example but I, I a would still say still
1: having a lot of experience so. in Counter-Strike there is an age there's more of an age uh, what's the is a problem
2: with what I would say age matters more
1: it does because of the reaction time. Uh, you can yes. be the you can be the captain and maybe not the best fragger on your team, but you still got to shoot. And but then some you, people, you still you know
2: you still have examples like Forrest, right? He is thirty. Yep. He's from June. T- he's almost thirty-one. Actually, his his birthday's in like two weeks, uh, or three weeks. So he's almost thirty-one. He's still he's still putting up numbers on the server. Like he really is. So. Yeah, maybe he's not gonna be... the best player in the world but he's still really really good there's right? always
1: going to be anomalies but i i do think CS is the age is much more prevalent than Dota Dota i feel like you can go a lot longer plus the other thing to consider that i don't think he really touched on is the fact that regardless of skill and all that mm-hmm. comes with it you still got to make connections because people aren't just yes. going to ran at like or add random people Absolutely. to the roster you have to Absolutely. that's the, actually might be even especially for people that have been playing if you're playing that much Dota you've probably don't have great social skills it's actually a one just amazing that some of these teams have gotten together with how little social skills are involved right because like networking and connections especially if you're on the complete outside right now is super difficult right that's the one aspect that people don't really focus on very much Mm -hmm. but it's real
2: yeah um but yeah, that, that's that's also true. And then finally, of course, uh, one thing is make is like connections, but the, the first step to making connections is getting discovered, right? And that's the hard part. If you're... A, let's say you're someone who is uh, just bluntly, someone who is more individually skilled than you, it's still hard. It's very hard for these players to get discovered. There are players that are... Immortal Top 200 or Top 100 even, and they don't even get a chance because the teams need to be looking for that talent and then you need to be the choice and you need to be better as a choice than someone else. And there's very few people that just get the chance, honestly. So um, making a name for yourself nowadays as an unknown player, there's pretty much only one way to do it. Or there are two ways, but one realistic one. The realistic one is climbing the ladder really high and showcasing very good individual skill which is almost exclusively done by playing core. Uh, You can also do it with support, but it's really hard. Or uh, playing and finding a way into a tier 3 or tier 2 team and slowly building your way up there with that team. But as we've talked about on previous podcasts, there's very little incentive to play tier 3 Dota. So it's hard Mm -hmm. to even make a name for yourself because what tournaments do you play in that tier 1 teams will be looking at and be like, oh, this player could actually be interesting. One example of where it did happen was Nisha, right? Right who now plays for Team Secret, he got discovered and taken away from the team that used to be Kingwin, And they were playing a lot of online Tier 2 and Tier 3 tournaments that there just aren't as many of right now or they aren't as appealing to play. Uh, but obviously Nisha kind of made a name for himself by playing super well in that team and in their online qualifiers or whatever that they got access to. Uh, that team never made a major, but Nisha still got into Secret. So it, it is possible. But yeah, again, uh, mm-hmm. cost-benefit does absolutely not favor you. Which I know. I mean, it's it's a shame, right? It's a dream of yours. It's something you've uh, you would have loved to do, but it just you are one of very, very, very many that it just doesn't happen for, and that's yeah, that's just how it is.
1: All right, moving on so, to the next community question from Nico: yeah. What are the differences between Denmark and the USA? This is oh, more wow. your this question a, since I have never a been to Denmark. Big
2: man this is the kind of question that you can talk about for hours do you want to do you want to like narrow it down a little bit do you want to pick like let talk sort about food or whatever okay food sure yep. <laughs> what a surprise you want to talk about food? <laughs> um, okay so there let's say food culture okay cuz one of the things that uh, always comes out to can, me can i can i say something uh-huh. before you
1: start yeah, i don't sure. know if you are gonna mention every time i see you which is not that mm-hmm. i was like let's say once a year let's say on average yeah. What is the one thing you always want so badly? Appetizers? Yes. But what do you call them? I can't remember anymore.
2: Oh, I used to call them entrees. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> like, yeah. I, we need to get an entree before we eat. Like, wait, what? What? what you want two entrees then? Is that what, <laughs> you, You're the obsessed with appetizers. It's amazing.
2: The reason it's so uh, intuitive for me to say entree is that in Danish, for example, when you walk into a house, right? The first room you enter is called entrée because that means, you know, the entry room. Mm -hmm. So when you order an entrée, in my (laughs) head, that was always the first meal, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't know how it became the main course. But anyway, uh, that's beside the point. Yeah. So I love appetizers. I love when I go to restaurants, it's one of my favorite things to do. I love going out to eat food. It's one of my favorite things to spend money on. And I love getting multiple courses always. It's always an for, experience for me. Uh, I love eating. Um,
1: but you, getting multiple courses in the U.S. is quite different than in yes. Europe just, so or anywhere else, th- really. That's one of the <laughs> things we can
2: talk about right now. So. There are a couple of differences in food culture that are very clear. The first one I want to mention is when it comes to eating in the U.S., the waiting culture is very different. Oh, yeah. In Denmark, the waiter is, how to say, um, in a way, the waiter is the mediator between the kitchen and the guest, okay? They go, mm-hmm. they take your order, they deliver the order to the kitchen, and they bring back the food to you uh they are not there to have a conversation or to flirt with you or to uh, ask how your day was or how it's going or you know it's it's very it's very to the point i guess they have a job they're performing that job and if they perform that job you're happy in the us the waiter is more or less expected to pay more (laughs) attention to your table to be more um more conversational um more outgoing more lively. Um, and of course it is in their own interest because they get tipped and tipping culture is also very different in Denmark. <laughs> in Denmark, when you go to restaurants, what it says it costs on the menu is what it costs. You pay the price for what it says in the menu. And that's it in the U S you have to, in your head, you have to add, okay, I'm also tipping <laughs> X percent and, uh, oh, there's also state tax and all this stuff. So it's like, when I look at the menu in the US, I always need to, I always need to tell myself what it says you add 25%, then you're pretty much there. Which you know is different. That's the first thing. That's that's the waiting culture where, uh, whatever you like more, right? Um, I I grew I grew up with Danish style, so I feel like a lot of the time when I'm in the US,
1: huh? I don't think anybody would prefer the like I've never met anybody that likes the tipping system in the US at all. It's
2: horrible. Oh, well, I didn't mean the system itself. I meant more the attitude of the waiters, like the type of oh. waiting you get. Okay, yeah, I, I think, can see that. I think like, for some people that would be nice. Like they like yeah. having these conversations or whatnot. It's usually uh, But annoying. if you come from Denmark and you go to the US, I, from my personal experience, a lot of the time it feels um I'd say they feel too nice. <laughs> okay. It's fake. it's weird to say it, yeah. but it feels fake. Because of it, because they're nice, because they have to be, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't seem genuine. And I just prefer, you know, you have a job, you go and do your job, and that's great. Like you don't, you don't have to sugarcoat right. it or do anything extra for me. Um, anyway, so that's the first thing. Uh, the second <clears throat> thing is the the food itself, right? Uh, America does bigger. It's not a meme that everything is bigger. <laughs> and when I order food in the U.S., a lot of the time when I see the price of something, my imagination of what I'm getting and what I end up getting, I a lot of the time find myself, Oh, okay, I ordered a lot of food. Okay. <laughs> like you order an appetizer, you look at the price, and then you just get more for the dollar in the US. So would you it's, say it's if bigger, you're buying something, portions. let's say
1: you're just having one meal, uh let's say yeah. a hamburger, uh, an yeah. equivalent restaurant in the US versus uh Denmark, obviously yeah. the portion is gonna be bigger, but would they be the same price ish? Like generally speaking, uh, obviously it's a hard
2: if we're just talking, you know, like an, an average burger place or yeah. whatever, yes. and you order a, a burger, um, they would probably cost about the same, but you would get 25% more in the US. That's okay. my guess. So when you're looking so at the menu, you're
1: take. like, especially like the first couple times, perhaps, where you're not used to the system uh, or the portions, mm-hmm. I should say, you're looking at a $10 burger and you're envisioning you're going to get about the same that you get in Denmark, but it's probably twice as much, it's, right?
2: It's not twice as much, but it's more. It's right. clearly more. Like, like I would say 25% to 50% more. Um,
1: but the, size, so yeah, it, the it, sides, the sides are way more. If I'm not mistaken, right? If there's like French sides, fries, it's just like shit ton in the U S. Yeah.
2: And the number one winner in the U S. in what is bigger is soda. It is oh. insane how big sodas are. Oh. When I go to a place in the U S. and I picture myself ordering a medium soda, I have this picture in my mind, and I'm like, <laughs> holy shit, like. The th- i order a medium <laughs> and the thing i get is not even a large like it's bigger it's bigger <laughs> than a large oh it's in so denmark good. if you order a medium soda to give it do you know like can you convert ounces to liters in your head like absolutely someone? not okay do you know what a, how big a pint is
1: wait hold on i have a thing here i have my like you have a
2: pint glass do you have a pint glass? i have
1: ounces and the milliliters on here so you can give your comparison
2: okay so how many ounces is half a liter 500 milliliters ounces how much is that
1: how much how many what say it again how many ounces? 500 is,
2: milliliters in ounces. It's about 18, let's say. Okay. That is a medium in Denmark. 17. That's a medium drink. That's a medium. Okay. Yeah. In the US, that's as small, in yeah, my experience. That's, probably, that's, that's, a that's small. probably about right. Yeah. And um, when you order a medium drink in the US, I would say you get something upward of 25 or higher.
1: Right. It's interesting because and McDonald's. That's absolutely large. In McDonald's Denmark. has changed <laughs> it. Do you remember this, sure. uh, this movie that came out? What's it called? Supersize uh, Me? Supersize Me. When that came out, and McDonald's was very embarrassed about it and all that stuff, although Mm -hmm. it's no different than any other fast food restaurant. Since then, their mediums are actually mediums, and it's it's what do you mean by actually? Do do you mean
2: their mediums are the mediums I said? Yes, I think More. so. They're
1: very small. I'm okay. actually mad when I get a large drink there because I'm like, I could have gone somewhere else and gotten literally twice as much and given myself a heart yeah. attack. That's what I want. Exactly. That's every. <laughs> that's what good. everybody wants. Diabetes and heart right, attack. Honestly, in for me,
2: props to McDonald's for that. I, 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 just, I, I really think soda's so are too big in these. Here's
1: United. the other I thing. Not only are they big. bigger, especially when you're at a yeah. restaurant or you're, let's say, you're eating in in like, a like a fast food place. Uh huh. Always, always free always refills. Free refills. Oh. Yeah, and so that's the one thing i was going to mention about the waiters yeah they're fake it's annoying that they keep coming in and asking you questions that you don't usually don't care you don't want to hear about it but if you want a refill on your drink they're on it man they're on it real yeah, fast yeah i know
2: i know um that is something i think i have made use of very little generally when i order a drink in the u.s i drink it and then i've had enough like that's i i got what i what i wanted mm. also if you get free refills what's the point in ordering a bigger drink
1: well, that's different. Why, so why don't you if just order a small one and refill if, it? If you're in a restaurant, there's no sizes. You just get whatever the size, uh-huh, the normal okay. size If gotcha. you're going to yeah. fast food and you're leaving, then you want the larger uh, one. Okay. Or but if, if you're a if fat you're there, piece of shit ball. like me and you're eating in, <laughs> you get the large, you drink it while you're there, and then you go and refill for later and you take it with you. Gotcha. Okay. That's how you get one of these bad boy bellies. So, <clears throat> I'm a okay. Coke addict. Coca-Cola
2: addict. <laughs> I mean, I, I drink sodas very little nowadays, actually. I almost exclusively drink water. And it's something I would say is is like, again, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, but I really think soda is a killer. No, actually. I agree. And I'll say it's, this right now. I'm going diet. Honestly, it's relatively, how to say, if if you're looking to lose weight or at least not gain weight, it's probably one of the things that it, it might seem hard to cut out at first because you're addicted to the sugar. But the mm. payoff is that you actually get to eat <clears throat> normally, in nice sized meals, and not feel like you need to cut a oh, lot that's on true. food. Because everything when you cut you're the soda saying is out, true, you get to enjoy the food. So, so here's the
1: thing, Cinderin. Everything you said is yeah. true. I've gone like months without drinking soda. All right, oh, I've yeah. done this several times actually.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I it's out of. I know this is stupid. <clears throat> out of everything that I've ever consumed, food, drink, Coke is the literally number one it is my favorite thing to consume it tastes amazing to me so it's really hard for okay. me to go like super long stretches so you would rather
2: cut on food and then keep your <laughs> yes coke, basically I mean, if theoretically
1: i'd like to lose my weight and mm-hmm. then i would love to be able to drink like a can of soda a day or something like i feel like even that's still bad it's not like excessive you
2: know a can of soda is not that absurd either like it's the thing you hear, hear about a lot of Amer- a lot of americans drink a liter of soda a day
1: that's absurd Yes, I've I done mean, that many times. Literally,
2: when you when you go to a fast food place and you order a large drink, that's what you get. You get a liter of soda. I mean, it's watered down a little bit, right? But you get the point. Like oh, you still... get
1: it with no ice. Trust me. You don't. Oh, yeah? Make sure no ice. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyway, um, so let's wrap that sorry. up. Uh, okay. Well, anything? that
2: was the that was probably Nico. I I hope you're happy with that. Maybe you didn't <laughs> want to hear about food at all, and you wanted to hear about politics, or you know.
1: You know, we can you I can reuse this question another time. Why not? It's we can make aspect. this a
2: segment, kind of, and talk about not necessarily something we do every episode, but we talk yeah. about just differences between Denmark and USA. And this was the first one where we talked about food. Okay. You know, I'm actually down for this. Yeah, I like I, it. The problem Let's is, it's it. largely going to be a monologue for me because I'm the one who has the most experience with both, both no, places, it's, right? It's but interesting. But though, you're still chipping get... a decent amount, so yeah, I, think, I could see it.
1: Uh, this so one was cool. a lot of soda, though, so that we can have, I can talk about soda oh, all yeah. day. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Uh last segment, uh well, first and foremost, for we rate things we're not doing one this week because we want you guys to submit your suggestions on topics for we rate things uh yes, more like personal so in just, nature, right, like what are some examples maybe like your your stubbornness level that would be pretty good, yeah, right, so, so in so, case
2: you missed the if you're new to the show or you missed it the last times or whatever, basically, what we did was we had a segment in the end of the last two episodes called We rate things, where we rate. Some sort of concept we rate ourselves, and then we need to guess what the other person rate themselves right. um, on that scale. And the two we did so far were, uh, what was it? It was how many times we wash our hands, and um, the one before was how big our ego is, according to ourselves and according to the other. Person. You know, we so could
1: do be some something else. How big our people We would love are. to get
2: suggestions from you guys if you come up with something fun, and of course bonus points if it's something that's just fun right it, if you if it's not fun it's still fine you know if, if it's Penises something that's interesting fun. but that's what but if heard. it's if it's fun yeah well great <laughs> um but yeah now the question is will it be in the metric system
1: or will it be in the imperial <laughs> system that's the real question okay so final segment of the day i'm going to do this occasionally and you can chip in you probably have more of these than me uh it's a today uh-huh. i learned segment okay oh obviously it doesn't have to be the day of t- to put this in. doesn't make sense. I learned this about six months ago, I want to say, and it blew okay. my mind, Cinderin. Okay. All right. And I have not written it down on your little sheet so you can't cheat. Have you ever heard okay. of something called... Don't look this up. Have you ever heard of something mm-hmm. called photic sneeze reflex?
2: Please say no. Uh, it's the thing where people look into the light and it makes them sneeze, right? It's-
1: God, I hate you. Okay.
2: Yeah, I I've heard about this. I've known Your about room. it for a long time.
1: How is that possible? You I, know that scientific. I actually
2: I'm not a hundred percent sure, but shit, is it either my girlfriend used to try to do it and it didn't work, or it does work for her. I'm actually not a hundred percent sure. Okay. So but that, I do know it works for a lot of people. Interesting. I don't okay. think it works for me. So
1: sure. for people that are unaware of what we're talking about, since we haven't actually explained it, let me let me uh, read off the definition. Okay. Seventeen to thirty-five percent of the population is estimated to be prone to the photic sneeze reflex, also known as a the autosomal dominant compulsive helioophthalmic outburst of sneezing syndrome.
2: That's what happens when you really try to make. (laughs) Yes. When you really try to make
1: make an acronym work. That's what you get. Yes. Uh, This is reflexive sneezing set off by light, especially light from the sun. So. Let me talk about my experience first, and then you can talk oh, about. Man, I
2: really want to sneeze. Let me look straight into the sun. <laughs> okay,
1: point. so as of six months ago, I've been doing this my whole life. When I'm like feeling a sneeze come uh-huh. on, I like if I'm outside, I will sneeze literally every day once I walk outside. It happens every time. Uh-huh. If I'm indoors, I just look towards a light and I sneeze most of the time. It really helps but me. But you sneeze. didn't
2: know that your whole life until now.
1: No, well, six months ago, I didn't know that that was not the like. I didn't. I thought everybody did that. I didn't know this was even oh, a thing. Oh, I see. Apparently, okay. I'm in the minority, and that blew my mind. That most people do not have this. It's so weird to me.
2: I see. Okay.
1: So, so you, you just don't took have it this. For granted. That's funny. Yes.
2: It's the he, other way around for me. I had no idea it existed because I don't have it. Right. Until right. I was told. I, yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. Okay. I just sneeze when there's pollen. That's my trigger. If, I'm like, I need to sneeze, and I just go outside in a field, and then I, can I just look at there. a picture then I'll of you. And I feel sick instead. And
1: I That's sneeze great. every time. So let us Excellent. know in the comments. I'm so bright. If you guys have a chew, also known as the photic sneeze <laughs> reflex, PSR. Um, oh, speaking of which, oh, maybe I should do this for another segment, ASMR segment, where we ask. Oh, that yeah. should
2: probably be that should probably be its own podcast. Yeah, I that's, think so. that's
1: just you doing ASMR.
0: ASMR.
1: Okay. Anyway, that is the end of the episode. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, any final words for everybody out there, Send them one. See you next week. Same time, same place. (laughs) Your bedroom. Wink, wink.